This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in for Ed Martin today, who is out on assignment. But I am glad to be with you here today, uh, glad to be able to share some things. And I tell you what, um, we actually, I, I'd like to replay uh, a couple of guests that we have just recently had. I think that they're incredibly important, um, timely topics. I hope that you heard them. If you didn't, uh, you're going to get a chance to today. And if you already did, uh, let this be the reminder. Soak in the information a second time. You want to sign up for the email and get the what you need to know before we dive in here to today's what you need to know, today's wink. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. That's where you can get the podcast, the past segment. And then, of course, you can sign up for the email list there. It won't be spam, but you will absolutely get some very helpful links and resources, different things that I know will help you in the fight uh, for conservative values, for traditional pro-America values here in this nation. Uh, Go and find it. Go and sign up. You will be glad you did. So let's dive into it for today. Uh, What you need to know. Out of all of the news that is swirling around this week, Congress is back full into session after what seems like a a long Fourth of July break. They're about to head out again in August. After after, um, a lot of the things that have come down the pike this year, a very interesting issue is just now kicking off again. And I think that it's something that you and I should know more about, should understand how to connect all of these dots together. What you need to know is the truth about birthright citizenship and the 14th Amendment. This is something that gets thrown around so very much and very inaccurately, uh, I believe. And I think it's something that we need to understand better uh, the origins of this story, the arguments, what the sides are, because there are some serious constitutional implications uh, in this story as we march forward. So uh, let me just let me paint a couple of different uh, different possibilities, and then I'll, I'll bring this to why we're talking about it today, why I think it's relevant right now. Um, this is a story I saw uh, it related to, uh, uh, what, a few weeks ago, I think it was the uh, Washington Post. Someone was complaining uh, that Trump on the campaign trail for 2024 had said uh, that he wanted to upend and just ignore constitutional amendments. Just throw out constitutional amendments. He's going to write an executive order and get rid of constitutional amendments. I'm like, well, what, what is this? What does, what does this mean? I mean, you know, make no mistake, Donald Trump says some very bold things and tweets a lot of bold things, or truths, I guess now. He doesn't tweet them. He truths them now. He's tweeted and, and said and spoken some very bold things, but just completely ignoring the Constitution with an executive order sounds uh, pretty outlandish. Let me dive into this. Well, sure enough, you start looking back into what the Washington Post is talking about, and they're talking about Trump's call to end birthright citizenship in America. Well, what in the world is birthright citizenship, and why does that sound so bad? Shouldn't shouldn't those of us born here have citizenship? Doesn't that make sense? Well, l- let me tell you about this. This is an issue that goes back several... This has been debated for over 100 years now. Uh, this comes back to the citizenship clause of the 14th Amendment. And there's a very key thing here. The 14th Amendment, of course, this is one of the uh, post-Civil War amendments, extremely important, has been relied upon quite a bit. Uh, but let me say this. There's, it, it is actually broken down into five sections. And of course, section five is just that the Congress shall have power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. But the first four sections get into the meat of what it is we're dealing with here. And and this is 
I guess let me say this. this. This what you need to know. It's about this issue, but also let this what you need to know be. Go back to the issues. I, you know, I don't mean to confuse the, the headline here, but um, when we get into these issues, go back to the source material. Go back to the foundation of what this is. Find out what the terms are. Define them. And then move forward in the argument to find out what you believe about an issue or which political position or which legal position you think is right, is, is desirable, the one that we ought to move forward on. Um, the, the worst thing that happens in America now is everyone hears buzzwords in media and then immediately forms an opinion based upon their emotional reaction. And then we just latch on to that and move forward. Don't go back to the Constitution. Go back to the principles. Go back to the legal foundation. That's what we're going to do right here. So people say Trump wants to eradicate the Constitution with executive orders. That sounds crazy. What is he talking about? Oh, he didn't say that. What Trump said, what a lot of other conservatives say, we need to end birthright citizenship. Well, what's that? Where does it come from? The 14th Amendment in Section 1 of the 14th Amendment. Of course, this one having to do with uh, uh, post-slavery in America, but Section 1 of the 14th Amendment says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. This is where this comes from. And here we're going to trip into a couple of buzz phrases, all of which have to do with immigration, with the border. But this this concept of birthright citizenship, here's a couple of key phrases I want to throw at you, and we're going to pull some of the dots together here. You may have heard the term anchor baby. You also may have heard, uh, what do we call it, um, birth tourism, whereby people um, come to America uh, either illegally or in some sort of temporary uh, capacity or temporary way, but they have a child here. And that child, whether or not that person is a citizen or even a legal immigrant, that child ends up receiving American citizenship simply because they were born on American soil. All persons, remember, Amendment 14 says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. Well, does that make an entire load of sense? I would say no. And let me tell you why. There's a very key, and, and you'll, you'll hear this hotly contested. In fact, this isn't even a done deal amongst conservatives. There's two different perspectives on this. I fall squarely into one camp. I think it's pretty unique. Uh, it's not very unique uh, to me. It's obviously something I know that Ed has expressed before, Phyllis Schlafly, our old boss, all of the uh, Eagle organizations express as well, that this, this birthright citizenship just given to someone born on U.S. soil, this concept has been grossly and blatantly misapplied for decades. And I would love to take credit for those words. I agree with them, but those are actually the words of Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates from Florida's first district, uh, who today filed a bill, the End Birthright Citizenship Fraud Act of 2023, which would amend our Federal Immigration and Nationality Act to clarify a very key point of the 14th Amendment, that phrase, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. This is an argument that has gone around and around. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we have had major discussions over this, but this citizenship is one of the greatest privileges we can bestow upon a person. Citizenship here in the United States of America 
uh, this is not an automatic right that you get just by being born on the soil, particularly to parents uh, who aren't, uh, you know, even subjects themselves, subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. You're obligated to obey the laws when you're here, just as I would be somewhere else. But being born, uh, there, there is no other country. If I were to go over to Europe uh, and have a child there, that child isn't an automatic citizen of that country. No other nation besides the United States and Canada have laws that have been interpreted this way. It is a serious um, blanket misapplication, misinterpretation that I argue is incredibly um, importantly uh, purposeful that has been done this way to create uh, this anchor baby, uh, you know, uh, system. And, and when we say anchor baby, of course, we're talking about coming over here, having a baby. And suddenly, even if you've arrived illegally, your child is now a citizen. We've we've got this anchor by which this family is now stuck here in the United States, attached to it, attached to the system. It's just, it's incredible when you go and look at this issue, how it has spider webbed out. My goodness. And uh, I think that it's something that we need to take a serious look at. I think that Matt Gates is right. I think the laws need to be clarified. There are definitely a lot of arguments on both sides. In fact, I'm going to link to a few different things here on social media and in the show notes uh, talking about this issue at large and what we need to do about it, how we need to move forward. So this is something that is absolutely coming down the radar. It has been on the radar before. We've talked about it. It's come up quite a bit before, but make no mistake, it is about to come back in a greater in a in a much greater way. And as much as it does have to do with immigration and the border and national sovereignty, this is a huge constitutional question that has plagued us for a long time, that's been misinterpreted, misapplied, in my opinion, for a long time. And I think it's something that we need to understand fully. So be educated on that. Educate others as these issues come up, because again, you, you, you and I both know the news cannot be trusted. The, the news organizations, big media, cannot be trusted to actually report facts and figures the right way. There is a narrative that is meant to spin up emotional decisions and reactions, not to go back to first principles, to our original documents, to the legal framework that this nation was built upon and examine an issue in and of itself. That is what we need to do. That's what you ought to do with birthright citizenship. Go back to the 14th Amendment. Look through the buzzwords. Do the research yourself. Trust me, you need to. That's what you need to know, is that we do need to end the fraud of birthright citizenship in America. This is a constitutional question that needs answering. And I hope that it comes to the Supreme Court uh, while Clarence Thomas still occupies a seat in the majority. My goodness, do I hope that. So uh, that's what you need to know today. Come on back. We're going to have a couple of great interviews here. And also we're going to wrap it up. There's something else I want to talk about at the end of the show. We're going to do that as well. Don't miss out. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the email. Get all of the standalone and the past segments. And be back here on the other side of the break on the ProAmerica Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been telling you all for a while, we've talked a number of times in the last few months, uh, the Thomas More Society has been getting more and more momentum, I think is the right word in, in this uh, context. Uh, they, of course, are uh, out there as a non not-for-profit law firm that is uh, out there fighting for all the good causes in the law, uh, respect for um, uh, life and family, religious liberty, election integrity. ThomasMoreSociety.org is the best uh, place to go 
and check out all their stuff. So our guest today is uh, one of their senior counsels. Uh, Thomas Breath is a Thomas More Society special counsel, and he has been helping up in Pennsylvania some parents, so many places where parents' rights are at stake and parents are saying, what can I do for my kids? And they got to have some help. And so that's one of the things Thomas More Society is doing. And so uh, welcome, first of all, uh, uh, Mr. Breath, and tell us, please, what's going on up in Pennsylvania? Ed, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. In Pennsylvania, a group of parents have formed together to create a foundation, and we've got individual plaintiff parents and students. They fought a federal lawsuit against the state college area school district, alleging freedom of exercise, First Amendment violations, as well as equal protection, 14th Amendment violations, because the state college area school district permits homeschool students and charter school students to fully participate in their extracurricular and co-curricular educational activities, while at the same time, they've refused to permit parochial school students Hmm. the right to participate in those activities so um and saying it clearly here um if you're if you're a homeschooler and let's say and sometimes a homeschool association's got a hundred kids and they and they set up in the and the and the and then local school district will say hey we you can come to extracurriculars you can be in the play you can be uh in uh on the newspaper you can do different things even sports sometimes that's a little clunkier i believe but in this case because they're at the catholic school the school district saying no we'll take the homeschoolers the kids look a lot alike by the way i mean (laughs) they sort of overlap in kidness but we're not taking the parochial school. Do they give a reason for that? Is there a stated reason or is that part of the problem? Uh, pursuant to a, an email that one of the plaintiffs received from the superintendent, there were two reasons that were provided. The first reason was that the State College Board of School Directors, the administration believes that they have enough students that are enrolled in hmm. the State College Area School District to meet their needs as it relates to these activities. Secondly, they indicated that if they were to permit parochial school students the right to participate, they may take the spots of some of the state college area school district students. I'm assuming that they're referring to athletics or other types of activities that that there is a, a tryout or a competition to make the team, if you would. I see. So um, on the law, it seems pretty clear that the cases that you nowadays and, and maybe you can talk about the broader national and, and federal context uh, of of uh, the law on protection. It seems pretty clear these families, these parents have a pretty good case. Well, I, the, I'll give you the, the simplest uh, analogy. If if you're a homeschool parent uh, or a parent that's thinking about homeschooling your child because you want to further your child's religious foundation, religious beliefs of the family, you can homeschool your your son or daughter, instill those religious values, and still have the right to fully participate um, in the state college area school district extracurricular, co-curricular educational activities. But if you're that same parent and you decide, I don't want to homeschool my child, I want to send them to a parochial school, you're excluded from participating in those activities. Hmm. It's It's pretty widespread through the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, I hate to say, that a majority of the 500 school districts, I think, have a very similar policy and practice to the state college area school district, and that is to exclude parochial school students. There are some that, that do permit because the Board of School Directors does have the authority in Pennsylvania to permit parochial school students. There's no law that prohibits them. It's a decision that they make on a case-by-case basis, school district to school district. So we were we were at one point hopeful that the state college board of school directors would make that decision and say, we're going to provide all students. If if we're going to provide homeschool students and charter school students, 
access we're going to provide all students that live. And it's important to emphasize, these are families that they're residents of the state college area school district. The parents pay taxes, school taxes, to the state college area school district. And in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, those taxes are substantial. So in all other material manner, these parents and students are the same as the parents and students that are enrolled in the state college area school district that educate their kids through a homeschool program or enrolled in a charter school program. The only difference is these parents have decided to pursue their religious beliefs and attempt to further those religious beliefs in their children by sending them to parochial schools. Uh, Thomas Breath is our guest, uh, a special counsel with the Thomas More Society, thomasmoresociety.org. You can learn more about it. It's a non-for-profit law, non, non-profit law firm, the do-gooders that spend a lot of time. A lot of the lawyers are not, that's not at all their full-time job. They they participate in these because they believe in these cases. And sounds, Thomas, you're one of those um, that, it, Thomas, is the best solution, the best solution for the parents is if they give in. The state school, the state, the, 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 the school district here where they are say, come on in. And, and as you mentioned, that is possible to do is is there a, a sense though that you're saying to yourselves if you won't do that we're gonna we think there's an argument that's going to have broader applicability in pennsylvania but maybe in other parts of the country too in terms of what the federal protections are or aren't correct correct there are cases there is one other case uh, in pennsylvania a federal court case where the plaintiffs prevailed on this topic. It's not in the middle district. It's in the Western district of Pennsylvania. There are cases throughout this country where these types of cases are being argued. We're unaware of a specific United States Supreme Court case that deals specifically with the issue of the fact pattern we have here where homeschool students and charter school students are permitted, but parochial school students aren't. This is really a U.S. constitutional issue as well as a Pennsylvania constitutional issue that these school districts throughout this country are permitting different levels of uh, participation based upon different classifications. And that's creating a discriminatory environment, particularly uh, unfortunately, in our country, there's so much discriminatory conduct bet- towards religious beliefs and the furtherance of and the expression of your religious beliefs. So we're hoping that this is the first in many battles that we hopefully prevail on, just furthering the religious rights as protected by the U.S. Constitution, and the Pennsylvania Constitution. Uh, Thomas Breath is our guest. Uh, just a couple more minutes. Um Broadly speaking, if I can pull out to that, and may, you may have experience with uh, yourself or maybe uh, uh, at the Thomas More Society with your colleagues, is there, a, is there more energy among parents? It feels like parents are energetic in, in fighting back in other ways. Is there more in these, you know, helping run uh, school board candidates and uh, worrying about, um, you know, kind of, uh, tra- uh, you know, uh, transvestite, I think I'm not allowed to say that, but transgender story hour and all that, but in these kind of specific fights over hey wait a second i i want to i want to live where i live i love living in this part of pennsylvania but i want uh, access to this public school system in a way that um I, that i want and i pay taxes is that is that growing i i know there's a core that have been there fighting these things but it, do you feel like i keep hoping that the parental rights movement is is strengthening and 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 deepening it's it's sometimes tough parents are busy and stressed out i think it's absolutely growing um, the parents that, that we speak to on a regular basis, and, and obviously anytime we file uh, litigation of this nature, um, we do it with the, with the generosity of the Thomas More Society. It can't be done without the Thomas More Society. But we hear from uh, parents um, across Pennsylvania, um, outside of Pennsylvania, that, that say, listen, thank heavens you're fighting these cases. 
because this is happening to my son or daughter. I don't believe it's correct. Um, there, the education system in our country right now is is open to so many um, diverse um, perspectives, and the state college school district has a policy that says that it will treat all students equal, um, and it goes through a long litany of classifications of students that they profess uh, to treat equally. Uh, mm-hmm. That's fine. We're, we yeah. support that. We think that's wonderful. We believe that all students should be treated equal. Unfortunately, though the words come out of their mouth, in practice, they've decided to not treat parochial school students equally. Mm-hmm. They've decided to discriminate against them. Well, there you have it. Such an important set of uh, stories that are happening across the country uh, when it comes to the parental rights and uh, parents is uh, demanding that they have the ability to get what they think their kids needs are and how they match up as opposed to uh, these uh, bureaucrats. And I, I really do think that we're going to see uh, more and more of, of the folks who are pushing around parents paying a price, paying a price in terms of the politics, but more importantly, in terms of the law. And so uh, that's exciting. And uh, thank you to uh, Thomas Breath of the uh, Thomas More Society for coming on. Tom, Thomas More society.org is how you track that down we will take a break and we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our, our friend Todd Benzman is with us. ToddBenzman.com is the best place to see all this stuff. He is a senior national security fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies. Uh, he is an investigative journalist by training, among other things. And uh, he is also uh, has worked in and out of public service, uh, as well as uh, being an analyst and others. So uh, welcome back, Todd. Uh, first of all, um, what's the status down there at the border? I mean, we got some coverage in the last few weeks. I haven't talked to you in about a week or so. Uh, what's going on down there? What's the <clears throat> well, let me start two ways. One, what's the coverage like? Is anybody seriously covering it? And uh, I always think in the summer, is it uh, is it slowing down because it's so dangerous? Well, in terms of coverage, first, I would say that there is a since the last time you and I talked, a, a pretty significant upsurge in media coverage. Usually, almost all of it negative, uh, attacking the Texas Department of Public Safety and Greg Abbott. Mm. For all of the uh, uh, the new uh, fortifications and the water barrier, the marine barrier, and all the barbed wire, and there seems to be a gathering uh, storm of opposition to try to um, litigate or def- politically defeat what Abbott is doing in Texas down there. Um, there was uh, reporting in the Houston Chronicle that you know. Uh, the Texans had placed underwater razor wire uh, traps to cut immigrants as they crossed. And then other reports that Texas troopers were just uh, pushing children into the river and, you know, mothers with babies and that sort of thing. Um, just the kind of, and that has just gotten a tremendous amount of coverage in the liberal media, the, in the mainstream media and the, which is one in the same, I think, huh. Um, and then another uh, development was that the Biden administration gave 
Abbott three days to get rid of the to to give an answer on whether they would get rid of the marine barrier thousand mm-hmm. feet of it that they put in there. Abbott has responded this morning. This is Monday as we speak. Uh, no, where the marine barrier stays, all of it stays. We're not changing anything. Um, the Texas officials that I talked to who are in the know on all this flat out deny anything about the water traps, that there's no razor wire submerged that you can't see. None of that's true. Um, Nobody's pushing anybody into the river. They're just blocking them or denying water or any of that stuff. Uh, They're just denying that it's true and they're staying the course. That's where we are. If there was razor wire, wouldn't we have one picture of it? I mean, look, it's a horrendous allegation, but it's one of these things where wouldn't we have one picture of of a of an innocent of a person, uh, so-called innocent, you know, who was cut up to pieces by the the wire? I mean, I I just it feels to me like the the most egregious version of, you know, when did you stop eating your wife? You have to prove that you didn't use razor wire. I mean, that'd be a crime against almost every convention. Well, my he right exactly. Um, you know, first of all, I I don't believe at this point that that any of the allegations are true. But it, truth truth doesn't really matter in situations like this. Uh, just perception and media coverage and political, uh, you know, kind of partisanship. Yeah, one ups, one ups, one upsmanship. Yeah, narratives yeah. to try to, to try to get. It's all designed to try to get you know the offender. In this case, it's Texas to stop fortifying to Mm -hmm. open it all up to you know put it back the way it was where everybody can kind of get through and my experience with this especially with the trump wall during the controversies where he was trying to build the wall is you know that they would say it doesn't work it's mean people are dying on it uh that sort of thing as a way to get it to be halted right but the people that are the noisiest i find about that are usually the ones who I believe in the heart of hearts understand that it's effective. Mm. <laughs> and so otherwise, you know, if they really believe that it wasn't working, they would just shut up and smirk mm-hmm. and go home, you know, but the, the, the noise over this Marine barrier and all these Texas fortifications tells me that it's all highly effective, mm. uh, that it would work, that it is slowing things down, that it's a problem for, uh, unimpeded mass immigration. And so this is actually, uh, this is a weird thing to say, but I, I see this as a, as a positive sign, uh, oh, all of this opposition because they know that it works. Uh, we're talking with Todd Benzman again, Todd is where you can go and see all of his stuff. Uh, he's a senior national security fellow at the center for immigration studies, his book overrun how Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in us history is available. It's been out for a few months, a uh, very popular and uh, useful uh, bombardier books, a uh, division of post Hill press uh, is the publisher. Um, Todd, I'm my second question. It is the summer. It's hot all over the country, but it's certainly hot in Texas. I haven't seen the terrible, horrendous, um, story yet of uh of you know a, a half a dozen or a dozen or sometimes more than that people trapped in a in a truck that get uh you know uh either get killed or, or really hurt from uh heat exhaustion in the heat but is it does that slow things down at all just as a matter of forget about the the sovereignty of the country people not dying does it slow it down because it's so hot yeah usually you know the summer months are um slower than other months now during the biden border crisis the summer months were, you know, bigger than any other summer months ever 
in mm. history. I it didn't matter because they were being they were being allowed in. Right. Uh, so you know they were just they couldn't afford to miss the opportunity. You know, let's get in while we can. Um, I think though that uh, because of of another program called CBP One, where they're bringing them in over the border, uh, over the bridges, and flying them in through airports, that probably fewer people need to cross uh, illegally on land. I see uh, when they when they come through. I mean, there's there's a great video out there by uh, the journalist Bur- Ben Burkwam. Uh, from two days ago in in Tijuana, mm-hmm. and we got a shot of just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of immigrants just walking up the 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 port of entry gangplank to the bridge, and you know it's all covered from the sun, and it's you know there's water and everything that anybody needs, and they're letting them in that way. So I think that you know just as many people are crossing in. But they're just doing it under the shade of bridge awnings hmm. and through buildings that are air conditioned. Uh, Todd Benzman's our guest again. Uh, Todd, what's next? Is there upcoming uh, I- I- events or timing that will be uh, a trigger for either attention or for changes? What do you see coming in the next month or two? Well, I think things are going to just be the status quo. If anything, the administration is going to continue to lift to raise the the caps on the number of people being brought in under cbp1 uh, as the administration expands its own infrastructure its own capacity to um you know process these people in through the port ports of entry they will raise the cap uh, i don't they, they've never really said we'll never raise it beyond this cap they're just raising it as their capacity to process increases. So I think we will see a lot more of those increases month to month to month. Uh, Every month they seem to add a few hundred more uh, a month and to the cap. So uh, I think we'll just kind of see the status quo. We'll probably see an increase in family groups crossing through Del Rio and Tucson sector uh, because they're just being let in anyway. They don't have to wait in line. It's cheaper and easier. They get the same benefits pretty much if they just cross illegally. So we ought to start seeing more of that, especially as the weather cools. Uh, do you and, do you do you expect? Um, is there is there a date a, a reporting date where there's going to be something you can point to again and say, look at the numbers? Is that coming in early September? Uh, excuse me, early August in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we should see the July numbers uh, come out. Uh, so yeah, I mean, every month the, the, you know, they put out new numbers about maybe two or three weeks lagging from the, for the prior, uh, month. And again, you know, we'll see the administration crow about maybe declining numbers, uh, coming through illegally, but not saying anything about the increase of the same percentage Mm. being brought in under CBP one over bridges. It's amazing. It's amazing. I think, I think that the. Um, I, I was watching the media reporting, and the media reporting just parroted that exact line. That line, yeah. Numbers are yep. way down. They know that so they, they know they know their they know their talking points. Um, yes, all right, Todd, Todd, Todd Benzman, I got to run. I'm on uh, a stop. Uh, Todd Benzman, as always, uh, so helpful. Toddbenzman.com. Check it out there. His book, Overrun, a must have. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. 
Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. It's hard to imagine a topic which should be less controversial than teaching children how to read. From our founding fathers to today's radical left, every major political force in American history has talked about the importance of education in developing better citizens. Yet the left never wants to fix things that are broken, only things that are working, which is why they decided to reinvent the process of teaching children how to read back in the 1980s. Traditionally, children are taught syllables as the building blocks of reading, after which they form those syllables into words. This is called phonics. Left-leaning educators develop the crude whole-word method in which students are asked to just memorize a list of common words. Often the books that teach whole-word method include lots of pictures, so students just guess the words based on the pictures and are told by a clueless teacher that this is reading. If you want to see the effects of the whole-word method, look no further than New York's public school system, which has been using it for two decades now. As a result of this teaching, an entire generation can't unlock the doors that only reading holds the key to. Half of the children in grades 3 through 8 were shown to not be proficient readers. These inner-city New Yorkers will never have the same opportunities that their reading counterparts will have, no matter how many government welfare programs claim to offer them aid. When asked what should be done to aid struggling inner-city and minority populations, Phyllis Schlafly always pointed to quality instruction in reading as the best way to lift people up. She developed her best-selling First Reader and Turbo Reader systems to give every child a chance to learn reading with phonics. As always, Phyllis's words show a level of wisdom that transcends political barriers. Now, New York is abandoning their two decades of using the whole word method and switching back to phonics. It's heartbreaking to think about how many young people have never reached their true potential as a result of this radical leftist experimentation. Don't let your children be the next victims. Teach them how to read. Parents and grandparents, jumpstart the education of that child you love so much with a proven phonics course. With TurboReader, anyone at any age can learn to read. For free information on Phyllis Schlafly's TurboReader, call toll-free 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Open the door to a lifetime of reading and self-motivation. Call 1-866-TRY-TURBO. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in again here for Mr. Ed Martin, closing out the show. Man, those were a couple of great guests. I hope that you enjoyed it today. I know I did. Here we are at the end of the program. I wanted to wrap uh, something up for you. There's another topic. It's also something that you need to know. It just didn't quite make the cut for the wink, so it's it's going to be here at the end. It's going to be the wrap-up. But, um, again, in the effort of uh, pursuing truth and looking at things that are happening uh, around, uh, around the globe, but uh, particularly here in American politics, there is an article that uh, I think you should take a look at, and it really is just kind of baffling when you when you take everything into perspective. Here's here's a factoid. We'll take these last uh, couple of minutes here. I want you to understand something. Did you know there is now far more evidence, not just hearsay, evidence to impeach Joe Biden over Ukraine than there ever was for Trump? The, the, and it just 
hang with me here for a second, because I am not looking for some sort of political tit for tat. They impeached ours. We're going to impeach theirs. I'm not looking to just, you know, without reason, uh, uh, defend a candidate that I voted for to defend the Republican president or Donald Trump above all the this is this is just a pure unbiased look at facts. Well, I say unbiased. It's not there. I have a bias. I am biased toward the truth (laughs) there. You should be biased toward the truth. There's a tidbit. That one's for free. You're welcome. But (laughs) um, there is more evidence now to impeach Joe Biden over Ukraine than there ever was for Trump. Let me remind you, of course, Trump was impeached two times now. One of them after the incredibly long and unfruitful investigation, otherwise known as witch hunt, by Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor appointed to go after Trump and the Russia collusion, the Russia hoax, Russia, 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 um, after two long years of investigation, the House plowed forward anyway under the leadership of Nancy Pelosi in filing articles of impeachment against Donald Trump over Russian collusion. That one, of course, the House voted to do what they were going to do from the get-go, and they voted to impeach Donald Trump, uh, and then it went to the Senate, and it fell flat on its face because there was nothing there to connect the dots. But as flimsy as you and I may have believed that impeachment to be, the second one, which went by so incredibly fast, was just mind-bogglingly ridiculous. And I'm sorry if I've used a lot of adverbs, but it's hard sometimes to describe the stupidity of things that happen in our nation's capital under this administrative, bureaucratic-run state. So here, here, let me remind you of the second impeachment hoax as it relates to Ukraine, the phone call. The phone call. You may have heard Trump refer to it, the perfect phone call. The phone call between then President Trump and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Volodymyr Zelensky. This was, of course, an anonymous whistleblower. We've now learned this is Eric, uh, what's his name, Eric Ciamarella uh, from Real Clear Investigations, a whistleblower who tipped off uh, the same ridiculous ridiculously corrupt people behind the Russian collusion hoax, and they alleged that the President of the United States, Donald Trump, was leveraging military aid uh, in Ukraine for deep state investigations of his political opponents. They said he was withholding $400 million in military assistance to Ukraine in exchange for a politically motivated investigation of Hunter Biden. Well, interestingly enough, the facts have all come out now, and it turns out that uh, Hunter Biden had, in fact, been leveraging his family name to conduct very lucrative overseas adventures uh, and uh, business adventures. And it turns out that his father was, in fact, very connected to that. So, of course, we've impeached Trump now. And this is, again, it's I say, you know, you almost forget that this happened because we spent so many years on the Russia hoax and then they spent days zipping this one through the process claiming that Donald Trump uh, had a quid pro quo with Ukraine. He demanded something for his uh, you know, political investigation against his opponent in return. There was a quid pro quo. Well, the uh, publicly released transcript of the phone call in question shows no quid pro quo. In fact, it does show 
that uh, Trump demanded of Zelensky, uh, one of the world's most notoriously corrupt countries. You'll remind yourselves of this with me, uh, that Ukraine has always been a very notoriously corrupt country. Uh, Trump was demanding that they rid the government of the corruption surrounding the peddling of the Russia hoax that has done irreparable harm to the United States of America. Some kind of quid pro quo is simply a Democrat pipe dream. They dreamed it up. They impeached him over it, and it didn't exist. However, now, if you will remember with me, and we'll do this real quick as we bring the show to a close here, last week, Chuck Grassley in Iowa made public the huge bombshell, an FBI document that actually shows a $10 million bribery scheme connecting an executive from the Ukrainian energy firm where Hunter Biden sat on the board, a legitimate quid pro quo connection to Joe Biden, our current commander-in-chief. Literally, quite literally, what what does Ed call this? The Tucker Carlson syndrome, the the Tucker rule, whatever it was, whatever they're accusing other people of is almost often what the left is doing themselves. And that is exactly the case here. So I'm going to post this in the show notes. You got to go take a look at this. It's just it is beyond belief, especially when you take into account exactly what they accused and pointed the finger toward Trump of. And now we get it pointed right back at Joe Biden. But are we talking about it? Of course not. Of course, they're not going to talk about it because it's not about the truth. It's about hating their political opponent, uh, Donald Trump, or whoever it is at the time. So there's your wrap up. Go and take a look at that. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for a couple of great interviews. Uh, Thank you to Ed for being a good host and interviewer. Thank you for listening and making this show a success. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our wonderful technical producer in San Diego, uh, who makes a lot of these things happen. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the email list. You'll get this and other things great and straight to your inbox. And we will look forward to seeing you again here on the Pro America Report. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.